now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, and we bring you tips, education, and updates on everything to do with your home. If you are in the real estate market or if you are looking for decorating or improvement ideas or looking to refinance or want some advice on home insurance, getting evaluations on your personal property or any of that kind of stuff, this is a great place for you to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance. The Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. It's been my pleasure being your host here every week for the last five years on CFAX 1070 on the weekends. I've been selling real estate here in Greater Victoria since 1991. I've handled hundreds of transactions here in our beautiful capital city. Proud to be ranked as one of the top producing REMAX agents in Western Canada. And I'd be pleased to help you as well, too. So if you want to have a chat about the real estate market, what's going on out there, uh, maybe even start planning about a move in your near future, don't be shy. Reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information and the rest of our whole home show team members by visiting cfax1070.com. If you look under shows, there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there. All of the whole home show team partners' contact information, emails, phone numbers, websites, everything or you can always just reach out to me as you guys do every week just find me google tony joe real estate and i'd be happy to direct you to anything that can help you in your time of real estate need having a conversation this week with our show partner gurpreet randawa she's a principal at the sitka law group we're going to be having a conversation about federal requirements for identification we'll also be talking about the upcoming foreign buyer ban that will be coming into effect on january the 1st yes that means the the sorry the federal government will not allow foreign entities or foreign buyers to purchase real estate in Canada as of January the 1st for two years, I believe, although that seems to be up in the air as far as how long that's going to be. So you'll learn a little bit more about that today in our conversation, along with efforts that are being undertaken to curb money laundering and the anti-money laundering requirements that the legal profession, the banking profession, and the real estate profession all have to go through while we're helping people with their real estate transaction. Uh, we're going to dig deep here, folks, and it's a really interesting conversation. I know that it's not, you know, maybe something that uh, you think about on a regular basis, but if you are transacting in real estate, if you have done so recently, or if you have family members or friends that are going through this, Sometimes the question comes up, why is the lawyer doing this? Why is the realtor doing this? Asking for identification. What's this all about? I'm not a money launderer or a terrorist. Why is this happening? Well, there are requirements, and that's what we're going to go through together today with our friend Gurpreet Randawa. 
We always start our program, though, by having a conversation about things that pop up, including messages from you, our listeners, what you like us to talk about. And if you've got a topic or something that you would like to cover, just reach out to me. I'd be happy to cover it as I have over the years. Uh, today, I want to talk about something a little different, though. I don't think I've talked about this for a while. Of course, school is back, and we have kids that start thinking about what they want to do in the future. And it has come up uh, with a client's uh, uh, family, and she said that it's correct career time for I can't remember what grade um uh what grade the son is in I think he's in grade 10 but the topic is a uh, career time and what they want to be and the question came up what do real estate people do what's their realtor's day look like and how does that work and I want to share that with you today it's uh it's lots of fun I'll tell you this though just from the very outset it is not what you see on TV. You know, if you watch all of these HGTV programs, you know, uh, I, I won't even name them, but if you watch them and you see these sharp-dressed uh, guys or gals in their Rolls Royces uh, showing uh, $25 million properties and earning all this huge money, I wish I could tell you that was the case, but it's not. Right. That makes for great TV. It's just like any other reality TV. You know, they got to make it entertaining so you continue to watch. Not quite like that, folks. In fact, I know so many agents across this country, and I can honestly say none of them are like that. Right. Uh, even in expensive market areas and, and things like that. Uh, there is a process, and I've talked about this before, as far as getting your real estate license is concerned, you've got to go through the course. You all know about this course. There's a calculator that has to be used. People hate the math. Uh, and once passing the course, you've got to go through a process of the applied practice course, which includes two weeks online two days in class done by zoom nowadays four and a half months of practical experience including uh six assignments that need to be continued uh, need to be completed uh and uh a final day in class by the way i know all this stuff because i'm one of the instructors for the british columbia financial services authority i have been for over 10 years so i teach a lot of the new licensees that get into the get into the business um that's the process of getting a license but once they have a license what happens next? Well, they got to find a brokerage. They got to find a home. There's many different brands, as you're familiar with. When you go into a store, you know, there's different brands of things. Well, there's different brands of real estate brokerages as well, too. Many different models, different cultures, different features, things like that. You pick a brokerage. One of the main things that we always say is make sure as a new licensee, you're going to a brokerage where you get good support. You're managing broker has the responsibility of all of the licensees in their brokerage. And as a result, they want to make sure that you are developing well, not getting bad habits, not getting into trouble. Because if a licensee gets into trouble, the managing broker gets into trouble too. And that's a huge responsibility that, uh, you know, I'm not a managing broker. I, I That kind of scares me knowing that that responsibility is there. There are some amazing managing brokers here on the South Island uh, who have tons of experience and are very supportive of the development of a new career for a licensee. But aside from that, one of the things that licensees, new licensees don't really think about too much is you need to find business. Because business does not drop on your lap. It's not like you are at a retail store where you open the door and people come in and they look for services or products. 
in some degree, we have that with open houses. That's the reason why people do open houses, by the way, is to meet people who want to buy or sell real estate. But one of the biggest jobs that licensees have is to make sure that everyone they know knows that they are in the real estate business and they can help them. So much of the day, depending on if you're working with buyers or working with sellers, maybe arranging uh, showings, going on tours, looking at properties. It may be performing due diligence. When somebody finds a property they like, the realtor starts collecting information, you know, title information. If it's a strata, then you need to get strata documents, bylaws, financial statements, minutes, depreciation reports, all of these fun things. Uh, and if the buyer wants to proceed, then it's time to to draft an enforceable contract of purchase and sale, which is, again, something that licensees are taught. Uh, it is not simply a matter of filling in blanks. There is a lot of work that goes into this. The licensee needs to make sure that they're not only uh, producing a contract that is enforceable uh, and is also to the best interest of their client, but they got to make sure that it will hold up in court if ever there is any issue. Uh, negotiation is another part that happens. Strangely, it feels like we're often negotiating at night during the dinner hour. I don't know why. It just kind of seems to be that way. When I think about it, that uh, seems to be the most often time uh, it occurs. Uh, that's just the going back and forth. And negotiation is something doesn't come naturally, folks. I mean, you you think that you know how to negotiate when, you know, you deal with your kids. I know that one. But real estate negotiation is often very different. Um, so it is a really interesting occupation because there is no, I can't ever say two days are the same. Uh, and again, it depends on if you work with a lot of buyers or you work with a lot of sellers. Uh, there is a lot of work, folks, and anyone who has been in the real estate business, maybe left it, really appreciates it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes, a lot of hand work. It's a lot of handcrafted work. It's a very difficult, if impossible, business to fully automate, which is the reason why we still exist. You can't, it's very difficult, if, if not impossible, to go from start to finish buying a home online. Like you can buy something on Amazon online. Not the same with a real estate transaction because there's so much to know and there's so much at stake as well, too. That's why we're here. Uh, anyways, as always, folks, if you want to talk more about real estate related stuff, just reach out to us. And if you have a question, we'll put it on the air. But we need to take our first break of the day here. When we come back, we'll have a chat with Gurpreet Randawa. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. Always great having our show's guest today back on the air. It's been a little while because, you know, it's busy out there, even though things aren't quite as crazy as they were before. When you are a lawyer at one of the most productive law offices in Victoria, this is just what happens. Of course, we're talking about Gurpreet Randawa. She is a principal at the Sitcall Law Group. Uh, Gurpreet, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while, Tony. You know, so we, we've been trying to connect, actually, for what seems like a couple of months. And then, yeah. you know, whatever. Things happen and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, again, it's just reminded. I know I say all the time to our listeners, you are very accessible, which you are. Um, yeah. But the reality is it's just been a busy time out there in, in a number of ways, right? Yeah, it's been a busy time. Summers are traditionally busy um, when you practice in the area of real estate law. Um, so, So that's been the case this summer as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was a rush of closings, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then, you know, we have staff issues. We have it as well, too, right? Mm -hmm. You've got uh, support staff at the office, you know, take breaks or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you Vacation. took some time, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some of us haven't, but, you know. <laughs> 
Agreed. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's always great to have you here uh, on the program because there's a number one number of things that uh, I want to cover. Uh, the biggest one that, of course, has been in the news and people are curious about uh, is this ban on foreign uh, purchases, which will be effective January the first, right? Yes, it's supposed to take effect January first, twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, okay, so a little backstory here for our listeners. Uh, this is the federal government, and the idea, of course, is to uh, help stop the escalation of values, uh, property values, and and all that. To help Canadians, that is the that's the message that's been out there. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that they were the. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was talking about a two-year ban, but what have they told you so far in in the law profession? There isn't there isn't much information being circulated on this uh, in our profession at this point in time. So we've kind of heard the same thing that you heard that it you know it's supposed to come into effect. The ban's supposed to last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, there is legislation that's received royal assent. It's called the Prohibition on the Purchase of Residential Proper- Property by Non Canadians Act. Mm-hmm. And that's to come into force January 1st, 2023. So the legislation has been drafted. We have an idea of of what type of prohibition is going to be in place. It's going to apply to non-Canadians. And it deals with residential property. Not commercial. uh, uh, Some other things, too. I I think I read, like, uh, not not leasehold properties, things like that. Again, we'll get more details on that. Um, The... The other thing, though, too, is there was something about exemptions. So there's exemptions for uh, uh, permanent residents. There's exemptions for temporary residents. There's exemptions for certain individuals protected um, by the act, like refugees, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, There's discretion built into the legislation. So the minister, you know, does retain some discretion um, and potentially may exempt certain transactions from from the ban but generally it applies to non-canadians yeah you know the other interesting thing too i i was having a meeting uh, the other day with a number of uh prominent local business people and you know the the conversation continues about the difficulty of finding good qualified employees and staff and it always comes up well you know one of the one of the keys is immigration and getting you know people to come to the country come to victoria and to 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 work um, but then it brings up this question. I mean, there does this mean they can come here but not own properties? Potentially, if they're not a temporary resident, but presumably if they're on a work permit, yeah. they are a temporary resident. So um, there may be, I think that it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and who it really affects um, and whether it even has an impact. Yeah. On... Well, I, but, but this is the thing, because I asked you this question before and, and yeah. uh, you know, perhaps whoever's listening right now didn't hear this question when we talked about it last year or whatever. I mean, you guys handle conveyancing of transactions, hundreds of transactions throughout the year. Uh, Off the top of your head, how many of them were foreign buyers? In in my experience, in my practice, it was a very, very low percentage. Even before the foreign buyer tax was introduced, we didn't see much um, in terms of foreign buyers buying into our local market. Um, and since the foreign buyer tax has been in effect, I haven't really noticed a change again in my experience, in my practice. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that's really the issue 
especially on the island. Yeah. Um, Maybe so, other places. Maybe you know. Maybe uh, because you know they always talk about how Toronto has you know a, a, a good number of uh, foreign investment. Vancouver maybe. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for listeners to know that when we ask the question how many purchases are for, are are uh, foreign originated. Uh, you guys in the law profession are really the people that know because you are receiving the money and you're getting the identification and you're doing, there's a number of disclosures and yeah. uh, FinTrack financial uh, um, uh, records, uh, things that need to come in. So it'd be very difficult for someone to hide this fact, right? Yes. Yeah. And with the foreign buyer tax, which is in effect, there's also hefty penalties if you try to, you know, hide that fact. Um, they've captured situations like bear trust arrangements, corporations. Um, Beneficial ownership. Exactly. Um, the transparency yeah. declarations that are in effect are meant to help capture, you know, that that type of situation as well. Uh-huh. You, you know, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that people who enter the real estate business don't real, really realize. But in the last 14 years, we have been asked to do a lot that is outside of what people think realtors do like if you've transacted in real estate recently folks and you wonder why your realtor asks you for identification and then there's these um uh individual identification forms for the proceeds of crime money laundering and finance and uh mm -hmm. terrorist financing act right the federal government has asked us to identify our clients and we know we're not the only ones we know that the banks do that too and you guys most definitely do that as well right yes our procedures and rules have changed substantially as well and yeah. i do have a lot of clients who you know say we weren't asked this 10 years ago we don't understand why you need this now mm -hmm. um so a lot has changed on our end as well when it comes to reporting uh, i actually just completed a uh, course, a, a FinTrack course from our provincial association. And it's interesting, you know, because I was there back in 2008 in Ottawa when our, uh, our uh, national association was compelled to start doing this. I was the president of the real estate board at the time. And at the time it was like, why are we asked, why are we getting asked to do this? We don't receive the money. Mm -hmm. Like all we get is deposit and, and, you know, it's the banks or the lawyers and we'll get yeah. to you guys in a moment. Yeah. But um, what I learned uh, after doing this course just last week mm -hmm. is that um, this was actually decreed on a global level. Uh, I can't remember which uh, body it is based out of Paris, France, um, right. enacted uh, this requirement for money laundering. And apparently Canada was one of the last uh, uh, um, uh, countries to actually uh, implement this. So uh, as much as I've been blaming the federal government for the last yeah. 14 years, it actually wasn't the Canadian government. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just these things that, that we have to do. But anyways, just wrapping up what we were talking about, this whole uh, foreign uh, ownership thing, because it's you guys that will have to get the disclosure about whether or not somebody is a foreign entity or not, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you as well, if you're being any realtors representing a buyer, you want to ensure that you are aware of what that buyer's um, citizenship status is, um, because they might be banned from buying, you know, property at all. Um, and it seems, you know, that, you know, valid sales that are entered into are going to be completed are to be completed. So if you have a foreign buyer who purchases, they do need to complete the transaction, but the minister can actually force the sale of that property from that foreign buyer and they can't actually profit from the sale 
they're only entitled to recapture the purchase price. Oh my god. Okay. All right, this is something new I haven't heard about. Oh wow. The powers mm -hmm. of the of the government, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, we need to take a, uh, a break here. We're having a chat with Capreet Rendell, uh, uh, our show supporter and sponsor from the Sitka Law Group. And we're talking about this great new stuff that's coming in January the 1st. Who knows if it's going to make a difference, right, Capreet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As always, by the way, if you would like to chat with Grapreet or any of her crew at the Sitka Law Group, make sure that you visit cfax1070.com. Uh, all of her contact information is there. Or you just Google Sitka Law, uh, the Sitka Law Group here in Victoria. Uh, like I said, need to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Of course, you can find their contact information and mine by visiting cfax1070.com. If you look under shows, there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. Uh, all of their contact information is there, or you can always just reach out to me as listeners commonly do. You can also listen to all of our podcasts. So it's our last five years worth, about 250 plus episodes uh, on podcasts by going to iTunes or Google Play. And we always have great information, depending on what you need at the moment and at the time and you know it's possible you're listening to this right now and we recorded it five years ago who knows <laughs> right but anyways uh, it's great to have our guest on as we have on many occasions this is Gurpreet Rundawa she is a principal at the Sitka Law Group here in Victoria and one of the show uh, partners and supporters Gurpreet again thanks for coming back thanks for having me Tony always a pleasure you know, you were talking about before the break, this whole notion of the fact that the government can force a foreign uh, buyer to sell their property without profit. Yes, that's only if it's a foreign entity buying after January 1st. Yeah. So, I mean, they're saying that any contracts entered into before then are still valid and this ban does not apply in those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, but you see, that's another interesting thing, because if this was a big deal, then we would probably see a rush of sales that are trying to complete before December 31st. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we're going to see that. I mean, you and I have both acknowledged the fact that we don't see foreign ownership locally here in Victoria very much. And I really mean that, you know, I mean, I've been on CFAX call-in shows in past where I've had callers call and say, oh, my neighbor, it's an empty house and it's a foreign buyer and yada, yada, yada. And I had one too, by the way, where I identified the house and I said, and it was too late because it's a call-in show, so I can't respond, but it was a buyer and yes, they were Chinese, okay? doesn't mean they're foreign mm -hmm. right but they yeah. were Chinese buyers and they were undergoing an application process with Oak Bay to um, uh, do a renovation on the house hence the reason why it was empty yeah not empty because they're yeah. you know uh, whatever I don't I don't want to get too deep into this stuff today yeah. but um, you know we jump to conclusions mm -hmm. right yeah yeah and 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 as we were talking about in our experience the percentage of foreign you know, buyers entering into our market in our experience is quite low. Yeah. So you talked about the, uh, there are penalties 
right? There is recourses for the government, but there's yeah. a process that you go through when you were doing a real estate transaction because you're asking the buyer a lot of questions, right? Yeah, just- exactly. Yeah, so we we go through quite a process when we're working with buyers, but we often don't deal with buyers until there's a binding contract already in place. Mm-hmm. It's when very- we send it to you, yes. Exactly. So, um, so it's very important for buyers to get this information before, you know, they get to the stage of even making an offer. But yes, once we receive the contract, we do um, reach out to our client to obtain information. One of those questions we ask is citizenship. You know, are you Canadian citizen? Are you a permanent resident? Um, Now, potentially it's also asking if you're a temporary resident. Um, So we go through those questions with our clients in order to, before it was to assess whether or not they were responsible for foreign buyer tax. Mm -hmm. And now, in addition to that, we'll be determining whether or not they are banned from buying real estate. Oh, God. It's just so weird when you say that, you know. Are you yeah. banned from buying real estate? <laughs> right. Where are we nowadays, eh? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. And when it comes to things like temporary residence and all that, is there uh, documentation or paperwork that they have to provide that supports this? Yeah. So usually you do have a visa that you've obtained. Um through you know the immigration refugee process mm-hmm. um so presumably that's what you would have to produce to establish that you're a temporary resident yeah okay okay um i didn't prepare you for this one i i this dropped on me just the other day mm-hmm. had a fellow from california asking about buying property and i told him that we had this incoming uh ban on foreign uh, taxes plus i explained to him the already existing foreign buyer tax that's been around for a while and the uh, vacul- vacancy and speculation tax right yeah uh, and then he says to me he goes oh i have family in british columbia i'll just get them to put it in their name <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is exactly what we're we're not supposed to get involved in, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is something that comes up on our end quite a bit as well. When you know um, buyers are looking for advice in advance of making an offer, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Um, to try to avoid this tax and that that type of um, arrangement is considered tax evasion, and there are hefty penalties and. We do have now this report we have to file whenever we're completing a purchase called a transparency, you know, report or declaration. And you have to confirm, you know, whether you're buying this property for your own personal benefit or for the benefit of a third party. And if it's being purchased for the benefit of a third party, you have to disclose those additional details. And if you fail to do so, there's penalties. Yeah. And uh, for us as well, too, under the uh, FinTrack laws, if there is a third party, we must identify that third party as well. Yeah. We need we need to get their identification and, and, and all that stuff. So it's just, yeah. you know, that and, you know, I'm sure we can't complain. I mean, the government is doing what they can to curb money laundering. It's all about anti-money laundering, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but again, I, I, when people are in it, they're like, why are we going through this? Because it's so painful. Yeah. Yet, on the other hand, mm-hmm. consumers are saying, are we doing enough? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I would say, yeah, it is to target anti-money laundering, but also um, to create transparency in land ownership and, you know, who really owns this property. Ah. Yeah. Which, which brings us to this land owner transparency registry. Yeah. And this is a newer thing that came in, I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it came into effect two years ago. Yeah. Um, and um, November 30th of this year is the deadline to actually complete your filings. 
Oh, okay. So remind us. We yeah, are so we're supposed to register, right? If you're incorporated, you are required to prepare a transparency register um, and to file any transparency declarations in situations where you your company owns real estate. Um, so we're not talking and, about we're not talking about just a regular person, just a regular listener on the street. We're talking about somebody that, that is a corporation. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So for our listeners to know, the Landowner Transparency Act uh, is a requirement for these corporations to register the fact that they own properties yeah. uh, so that we can do a search on the LTSA, the land. What, LT, I can't, I forget what LTSA stands for. It's where land we- Land Title Service Authority. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And then we can perform a landowner transparency registry search to see mm -hmm. if in fact, this person is a beneficial owner in a corporation, right? Exactly. So it captures situations where, for example, you own property personally, but you have a bear trust agreement, you know, between yourself and your corporation where your corporation is the beneficial owner. It also requires disclosure of interest holders of corporations. So, you know, who truly has an interest in this company? Who are the shareholders? What is their residency? Yeah, and the purpose of this, again, is that the government wants to know who's behind all this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it just it just continues, right? It continues, and and if you are receiving these letters, please make sure you complete your filing by November thirtieth. Okay. Yeah, that seems to be a question that. Are... Yeah, this seems to be a question that people have have had, especially when when we're in class teaching new licensees about this stuff. This is the reason mm -hmm. why I, I actually happen to know a fair amount of this because I'm an instructor for BCFSA, the British Columbia Financial mm -hmm. Service uh, Authority, and we talk about this. And uh, learners are often, well, am I supposed to register? You know, I own a property. Well, or is it a corporation? You know, are you? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Gurpreet, remind our listeners, where can they find the Sitka Law Group? Um, so we're located at the corner of Shelburne and Cedar Hill Crossroad, uh, just above Coast Capital. Perfect. Uh, the suburban law firm where there's parking and you don't need to worry about being downtown and all that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Uh, the office phone number again? 778-265-2677. And if you miss that, folks, and scrambling for your pen and paper, don't worry because you're going to see ads on buses. You know, uh, the Sitka Law Group uh, is all over the place, including on social media. Right. Yes. Yeah. We have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Yeah. You don't see that with law firms very often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, we're having a conversation with Gurpreet Randall about stuff that you don't very often think about, but we just wanted to bring it to you. There's more stuff to talk about, though. Need to have our last break of the day. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back, everyone. I'm Tony Joe. This is The Whole Home Show. We're having a conversation with Gurpreet Randawa. She is a lawyer with the Sitka Law Group, uh, which, of course, has been a sponsor and a promoter and a partner of this program for many years. Always a great resource as well, too, especially when it comes to things like what we're talking about today that nobody thinks about the rest of the time. Uh, Gurpreet, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tony. You know, just during the break here, what we were saying, I mean, this is this is information that it's not the sexy end of real estate. Yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> okay. Um, but I mean, people often when we are talking to them, and I know when you're talking to them, there's often this question, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do this? Why is this important? Yeah. Um, not our choice. And yeah. and I think something else is important for people to know is um, 
sometimes realtors they have us they have a struggle with obtaining the FinTrack information you know the the identification information and the consumer needs to know that it's not the agent picking on them for personal information whether it's this agent or any other agent we all have the same obligations and requirements just like you do in the legal profession right yeah yeah um do you guys bump into this whole uh um politically exposed person thing yes <laughs> okay all the time it's yes. usually um a question posed by a lender okay let's tell yeah. our listeners about they're like what is this all about yeah. right yeah. yeah exactly so um if you're obtaining mortgage financing for your purchase we receive documents from your lender one of those documents is a, an identification form and some lenders will have a question on that form, which is, are you a politically exposed person? And that's essentially defined as someone who's related, you know, to the head of a state of another jurisdiction, military head, mayor, judge, CEO of a bank, and so on. And it is essentially the lender's anti-money laundering question. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we've, we've gone that deep as well, too. And we have that question as well on mm -hmm. our uh, FinTrack uh, information forms. And we have to ask the question, are you a... Yeah politically exposed person again this is a newer thing this has not been around yeah. for very long uh if anyone uh bought real estate you know maybe longer than a year and a half ago you won't be familiar with this but uh it is there now uh there's just there's just so many layers to this whole money laundering thing right yeah yeah, yeah. um now just shifting gears a little bit you know, we're talking about disclosures. We're talking about somebody being in your office having to disclose certain things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the other topic comes up. How are they going to use the property? Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, they're going to need to disclose. Is it an investment property? Is it going to be a personal residence? How are we going to use that? That is something that comes up across your table too, right? It comes up if you're obtaining mortgage financing, because often your mortgage approval is based on the use of the property. You know, there's often, you know, a more preferable interest rate if it's your principal residence as opposed to your rental property. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there sometimes are situations where you want to try to get the best rate possible. And maybe you've disclosed one thing to your lender to get your approval. Um, but just remember your lawyer also represents your lender. So anything you disclose to your lawyer must be disclosed to your lender. Um, <laughs> okay. So in other words, uh, a buyer can't get, can't say, okay, great. All right. Here's the deal. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, I, I told the bank that it was going to be my principal residence, but it's really going to be my investment property. So please don't tell them. And I would say, Tony, I now have to take this back to your lender and it may impact your mortgage approval. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 this is kind of related to all of this identification and FinTrack stuff that we've been talking about today. I think something that people forget about is that the anti-money laundering laws overpower the the um, privacy stuff. So someone mm -hmm. can't just hide behind and they can't just say, "Well, I don't want to tell you," you know, due to my yeah. personal privacy or whatever. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's so interesting. Have you ever had somebody decline uh, providing uh, identification? Um, it does happen on occasion. I, I think it's um, in situations where people don't understand why we're asking for it. So on our end, it's very important to communicate to them, you know, why we need this information. We're not just asking for it because we want it. Yep. Um, you know, th there's a law society requirement that the lawyer identify and verify 
the identity of a client. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to comply with those requirements, we do need to ask for ID, especially if we're meeting with you for the first time. Um, and if your ID that we have on file is expired and we're doing a new matter or completing a new matter for you. And sometimes lenders have different requirements than our requirements. And we'll have to sometimes ask for additional ID um, to satisfy those requirements. So I, I often say that the, the poor people that are trying to transact in real estate, they're getting hit up all the time yeah. for identification because it's us and then you and then the lenders and then yeah. their financial advisor and, yeah. and all. That. So in many respects, the person who's being asked for identification, it's it's just part of the transaction, right? It's part of the transaction and it's, you know, um, required because the professionals you're working with have to you know meet their regulatory requirements. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so is the British Columbia Financial Services Authority, the real estate, uh, uh, they are the regulator of real estate in the province of British Columbia. They came into, uh, we transitioned to BCFSA, it was August of 2021. So it's still relatively new, but the BCFSA also oversees the financial, the banks and the um, uh, mortgage brokers and mm -hmm. uh, financial advisors and insurance and basically all, all money related stuff. So it's not the real estate industry, folks. We're not, you know, pigeonholing you and, and you know, trying to uh, say that you, you're a money launderer or a terrorist or anything. It's just the efforts that the government is trying to put towards to, uh, to, to curb money laundering. Yeah. 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 Um, how often does this whole notion of $10,000 in cash or more come across your desk? Um, rare. We're only permitted to accept 7,500 maximum in cash. Is that and, a law profession thing or, an, or your office policy? Uh, no, BC Law Society. Okay. Um, and I've only experienced, I can't actually remember ever receiving that much cash. I never have. <laughs> yeah. In 30 years, I have never, I don't think I've ever yeah. seen more than like $2,000. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 Um, so again, just for folks to know, there is a requirement that if somebody comes in with a duffel bag of $10,000 or more in cash, we both, you and I have the requirement to report this to um, anti-money laundering, right? Yes. And, and for me, my maximum is 7,500. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I, the other thing too is people who travel. I mean, you'd be used to this as well too, because when you sign that customs form, it asks if you're bringing, you know, if you're carrying ten thousand dollars in in cash or more. And it, yeah. again, it's it's just all about money laundering. I just can't imagine. There's so much money involved in a real estate transaction that you know ten thousand dollars. There's uh, sometimes our learners in our course go, well, what if they come in every day for thirty days with ten thousand? No, because yeah. that's another rule, right? Exactly. You can only accept it once. Yeah. 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 And nowadays, anyways, everyone, uh, we do things digitally, um, wire transfer, or we, yeah. we, uh, we deal with bank drafts or, or things like that. The amount exactly. of money here is, is, uh, is large, right? Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Oh, all of this cool stuff we're talking about today. Um, when, uh, which well, I ask you a basic question here. Mm -hmm. Most of the time is driver's license. So we ask for a driver's license that is acceptable. Uh, under the reporting, right? Passport yeah. is also another one. Yeah. What are some things that you might ask for if people have I neither or if neither are are uh, active? Yeah, there's a dual 
verification process established by the law society in the event that a client does not have photo identification. Mm -hmm. um, so we might ask, you know, for a utility bill with your address on it, a bank statement with your address on it. Um, you know, there's credit cards with your name, debit cards with your name. So there is a process, I, you know, if you don't have photo ID, it's very important that you get in touch with your legal professional right away to make other arrangements. I find that this happens on rare occasions when, for instance, it is a power of attorney and perhaps mother or father is in a um, retirement community and they have let their driver's license lapse. They have yeah. let their passport lapse. Uh, they have a care card. They get their BC care card, but that in and of itself is not sufficient. Yeah. So there, there, there must be uh, uh, further identification uh, as, as well. But yeah. the other thing too that I think it's important for people to know is who keeps this information because it comes up every once in a while. If you're collecting this data, Gurpreet, where is it going to? Who is seeing yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, and and we have um, uh, you know a detailed form we provide to clients just confirming how their identification is going to be stored and used. And for our purposes, you know, it is stored in a secure manner. Um, in real estate transactions, we are typically required to provide copies to the lender. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we'll go through that with clients. Yeah, and you're providing that to the lender because, again, you are representing the lender in the transaction, right? Exactly. Uh, a question that people often have is, th is this going to the government? Is this going to uh, the FinTrack people and all that? And for the real estate industry, it is not. We are obligated to have these documents. Uh, our brokerage requires us to have them, and they have to be up to date. And they have to be available should the government come and perform an audit, which they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do spot audits. I mean, you guys probably get audited all the time, right? Not all the time, luckily, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. But it happens, but yeah, we, right? It's a similar requirement for us. We do have to maintain it, ensure that we did collect it, that it's stored securely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of stuff. Now, again, folks, you know, uh, you know, I know we have topics that are maybe a little more sort of, uh, it, you have more curiosity because it's kind of fun. This is one of those is not necessarily fun, but I hope that having listened to this now that when it comes time for you to go through a transaction or maybe a family member or a friend or whatever, you have a better understanding about the fact that it's not the law profession. It's not the real estate profession that is asking for all this kind of stuff. It is in fact, the federal government and it is the, again, Proceeds of Crime, Money Laundering, and Terrorist Financing Act. I know this so well that it just comes off the top of my head. It's the most ridiculous Very impressive. thing. Yeah. Um, but it all has to do with trying to minimize or eliminate uh, money laundering because it has been identified. The Cullen Report that came out identified uh, money laundering. Uh, although, you know, I mean, casinos seem to be, uh, you know, a, a bigger uh, uh, culprit. Uh, they just feel that bad people can use real estate, tra real estate transactions yeah. to do bad things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Gurpreet, for our listeners, if they need to get in touch with you, best way to do that. Uh, best way to do that would be by phone, 778-265-2677 or email. And our emails are located on our website, sitkalaw.ca. SitkaLaw.ca uh, and uh, Gurpreet's contact information along with the rest of our whole home show team members are on the CFAX1070.com website and you just look under shows. All of our contact information is there. I hope our listeners reach out to you every once in a while, Gurpreet. I do definitely get calls. So 
Yeah. 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 And I know, you know, it's just, it's great. I always enjoy, I, almost every week now, I got a call from uh, one of our listeners just asking about things or, or sourcing out uh, someone that we had interviewed, you know, months ago or a year ago or, or whatever. So we know people are listening and we know people enjoy our program. Um, thanks again for coming, Capreet, as always. Thanks for having me, Tony. And uh, to our listeners, uh, as always, we'll be here for you this time next week. See you then.